Hi, I'm Nikki Schrera, and you're listening to The Jazz Session, the original jazz interview podcast. This is episode 567 for the 22nd of September 2021. Miho Hazama is a Grammy-nominated composer and one of the most promising composers-arrangers of her generation. She developed her signature jazz chamber orchestra M-Unit while still a graduate student at the Manhattan School of Music, And in fact, that is where I first met Miho. We were graduate students a year apart, and it's been an absolute joy to see her career go from strength to strength since then. In 2019, Miho took up the post as the chief conductor of the Danish radio big band, following in the footsteps of Bob Brookmeyer and Jim McNeely, to name a few. She now celebrates her new album, Imaginary Visions, featuring the Danish radio big band, out on Edition Records on the 24th of September, 2021. I caught up with Miho, it had been many, many years since we'd seen one another, while she was quarantining in Japan, preparing for some concerts there. Hi, welcome to the Jazz Session. Thank you so much for having me. Hi. It's such a pleasure to see you again. Listeners don't need to know, but we'll let them know that you and I met at graduate school at mm-hmm. the Manhattan School of Music. So if we yes. mention anything from that period of our lives, which now feels so far away, I, I don't even remember what happened to some other people, right. <laughs> then they will understand why. But you have a beautiful new album. It is coming out on Edition it's Records. It's coming out, yeah. And it's with the Danish radio big band, which is very exciting, which is very different for you because this is your fourth album and the previous three albums were with your, we will call it a chamber mm-hmm. jazz ensemble, mm-hmm. M-Unit. Right. M for 
Miho, I assume. Yeah, exactly. Yes. M as in Miho. Yes. M as in Miho. I want to give our listeners a little bit of background, although we won't go too far back. But you studied at the Manhattan School of Music. You'd studied classical composition before that. Mm-hmm. So was yes, your first yeah. foray into jazz and composing for jazz instruments, was that at MSM? Mm-hmm. Yes. What did life look like right after you graduated for the next couple of years? Um, I stayed in New York City after my graduation. Um, and I think the main reason why I stayed in New York City was that I felt like I hadn't achieved anything. Well, that was my first time studying um, jazz music, first of all, and I enjoyed it. And then I recorded my chamber orchestra music right after my graduation. And um, I wanted to release that album. So I did in 2013 from the Sunnyside Records, which is like New York City local record label. And um, I enjoyed that chamber orchestra. And then I wanted to. Um, discover the scene, jazz scene in New York City a little bit more afterwards. And uh, um, you can apply for a visa to stay in New York City as a non-US citizen musician. And I got this artist visa for three years. So I stayed it for three years. And after that, I felt like the same. I hadn't achieved anything. So I had applied for another three years and so on. And then this is my third round of the artist visa. And it's been 10 years since, you know, I started living in New York City. Wow, time flies. <laughs> the Big Ten. I remember Dave Liebman saying, who was the, the guest lecturer at MSM, I remember him telling my class that if you can stay in New York for 10 years, then you've cracked it then you'll be there for life. And I was like, oh my God. You know, yeah, that's kind of true that I think I finally started feeling that, I, okay, I kind of started knowing what's going on here, like how the scene works or like how I can survive here after six years, at least six years of living as a musician. So that means eight years after my first you know, time in New York City, after two years, then, six years of being a musician in New York City. Otherwise, I couldn't feel anything. So that's that's how, you know, that's how high competition in New York City is as a jazz musician. And I still like the challenge. I'm really impressed because I didn't love the challenge <laughs> after four and a half years. So right. whenever I meet friends who've stayed there past five years, now 10 years, I really just am so in awe of you. And in terms of your working as a big band, arranger, composer, leader, before we get to your position with the Danish radio big band, I know you did some things with the Metropole Orchestra. Mm. Right. Which other groups did you work with? Because that was all before 2019. That's true. Um, well, up till 2017, I think my main job was to write arrangements for um, a lot of people, not only for big band or jazz ensembles, but for classical musicians, classicals, orchestras, all of that, and um, also commission compositions. So my main occupation is still a, a composer, 
but then at the time in my my job mainly was you know being a composer and arranger but since 2017 when i started like you know promoting myself as a director or producer for large ensembles especially in the radio big bands in europe i started my another you know occupation as a, a uh conductor that that means that you produce a project and you write arrangements or you produce arrangements from the other composers as well and then you do the rehearsals with band and then you do tour as a conductor and uh, since then um i i had been i have been really lucky to have connections to metropole orchestra in the netherlands uh, the Danish radio big, big band in the in Denmark, WDR big band in Germany, uh, and then some you know freelance musicians in Berlin. Um, it's it's been really great to work with them as a conductor as well. So tell us, in 2019, you got a call mm -hmm. from somebody in Denmark, and they told you that they wanted you to take up the position of chief conductor of the Danish radio big band. A position mm -hmm. which had never been held by a female conductor. So we'll talk about that right. now and then we won't talk about it again because it's irrelevant. Because, mm -hmm. as you said, you'd been doing all this work up until that point, which in hindsight, mm -hmm. I wonder if you looked back and thought, okay, yeah, I'd been doing all these things, working with different big bands, working more with European bands, and it mm -hmm. all led to that point. Um, so tell us about that phone call because that is mm. reflected on the title of your yeah your album's opening track right what's it i said cool That's true. you said what yeah exactly um so that was not a phone call i was working in denmark at the time so i first met the danish really big band in 2017 in japan they came to japan as a part of tokyo jazz festival and i was a director of a concert set that a Danish radio big band was a house band. So we worked together for the first time at the time. And uh, that project was crazy. It was uh, just a 60 minute set at the Tokyo Jazz Festival, but we had to represent 100 years of jazz records. So we uh, we picked up like two, uh, six or seven like jazz eras and then like big hit from each era to represent the It's Jazz History era. And we had uh, so many guest players from all over the world. So uh, the, the band did uh, such a great job, but also, you know, I had to do with all the person personality from the, uh, the guest players and that, that was uh, crazy, but we ended up having a great time. And uh, that was basically, you know, what Danish Radio Big Band started to, to bring me back to Copenhagen. So um, since then, I did two or three projects with the Danish Rudy Bibian in Copenhagen. And then one day when I was working as a, you know, as a guest conductor in Copenhagen, my boss, well, like a, a main producer of the DR Big Band, called me for dinner. And uh, as we were uh, having dinner, he started saying that um, he is planning to bring someone from New York City as a chief conductor. And then I thought that I, he's he's bringing someone else, of course, because I didn't I didn't expect anything. 
um, that I, he would call me. So I said, oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And um, as he continued saying something, I started feeling, wait, is that, is, that, is that me or something like that? So I had to interrupt what he was saying and say, what, um, are, you, are you bringing me? You know, so that was the beginning of our relationship as the chief conductor and the band after 17 years of that vacancy of the position. And um, the funny thing is that 17 years ago, that position was taken by my professor, Jim McNeely. So I studied with Jim McNeely at MSM, Mahana School Music for two years. Um, so uh, it's, it's a huge honor for me to take up a position. And also, you know, I, I really admire their legacy and the history to the fact that, uh, you know, they have worked with Jim, also Bob Brookmeyer as the chief conductor, Thad Jones as the chief conductor as well. It's, 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 um, it's, it's a huge privilege for me, yeah. What an awesome story. And I mean, like Thad and Bob and Jim, they're sort of giants of jazz, mm -hmm. big band, as arrangers and composers and conductors. Mm -hmm. Jim must have been yeah. so thrilled for you and so moved by that that connection, no? Right, he, he's so sweet. He's such a you know warm and a nice kind of person. And he, um, I emailed him when I took up this position and he emailed me back saying so many comments. He explained about you know jazz history in Copenhagen and uh, jazz musicians in Copenhagen, and um, uh, he ended up explaining about speaking in Danish. <laughs> and uh, you know he explained how to pronounce these, and then like if you speak German, then it's close, blah blah blah. And uh, he mentioned one square name which is the hardest square name ever. And he says, if you can, you know, pronounce this square name, because, you know, there are a lot of the restaurants and the hotels, and I'm sure that you have to, you know, say that to your local, you know, taxi driver. And then if that taxi driver gets that name, you're good to go. <laughs> can you pronounce it? No. <laughs> uh... I still have, I still have the, um, uh, I still have the uh, the email right here, so I can send the, uh, the 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 name. But then I I tried it, and everyone everyone like pronounces it different ways, and it's it's really tough. <laughs> oh, that's so funny! Oh, that's oh, that's lovely, Miho. And how has the experience been? Um, it's been great. Um, the Danish Radio Band members are so enthusiastic about new music and then they're so open, but yet they do have their characters, of course, and then um, they know what to do with their strength and the character, like, you know, as a player. So uh, I, I feel like I have been, been collaborating with them instead of like demanding something and then now I can write a new music, you know, it's especially for them, like specifically for them. So I can be more specific as well because it's been four years and then I started knowing their, you know, playing style, strength, as well as the personality, of course. And uh, I really like writing for the specific musicians. So um, 
it's been it's been great and um uh i really like working with them yeah i would love listeners to go onto youtube and if you put into the search bar there i don't know danish radio big band welcomes Miho Azama. There's a right. fantastic video. It's so heartwarming. You touched down in, in Copenhagen, mm. I assume, to take up this role and they welcomed you at the airport playing a version of Vilkomin from Cabaret. It's a flash mob. Yeah. It was a flash mob and it's just fantastic, both because they obviously have such personality and you were so mm. taken aback and genuinely touched and shocked. And it's wonderful to mm. see all the other people at the airport <laughs> take out their phones and start to film it because it's it's yeah it's completely just oh it's fantastic it's yeah they're so wit and like funny as well so if you actually search up a danish rhythm big band in crisis in youtube you can actually find a pro a prelude video up to that flash mode and there's a reason why they you know they did that um flash mob at the uh, airport like that's the first video uh, that is really big 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 band in crisis and the second video the magic baton with the Danish really big band and then finally that third video is the flash mob video so like they they made the three videos <laughs> and they're all so funny as well and then that's the ja- Danish yeah. joke sense <laughs> and uh, it's it's fantastic <laughs> feels a bit like M Unit was your firstborn child and Danish Radio Big Band is your second, your toddler. But I mm-hmm. will tell you it was interesting. So when we when I listened to the record, um, for example, I mean the first song that jumped mm. out at me was Mingle Mangle Goodie Bag. Mm. And it was so it's such a joyous, brassy tune it swings so hard and it was interesting listening Mm. to it Mm. in comparison to the music with your m unit Mm. ensemble because i think Mm. of you as a very in a good way a very complex composer you there's so much detail to your music and so suddenly for the first time i was like this is miho's detail it's still there it's the same their textures and there's something hidden in every corner which is how it was with m unit but now the context is just traditional big band and so it adds a new color and a new dimension to your writing because 
it's the same writing, but the context has changed. It's more, I guess, traditionally big bandish. So what was that like for you? Because it's now in that, very much in that wheelhouse. Yeah, I think you're you're right. Um, writing for Big Band of that definitely encourages me to write towards the swing side because you know the basic classic Big Band music is always coming from the Big Band era, which is like very very swingy. And uh, the fact to the origin of the Big Band music was uh, the uh, swing like dance hall music, and uh, I still feel that thickness and uh, the brassy, flashy sound, and then also like a swingy rhythm section. I always, you know, I'm fascinated by that. So um, I think, you know, my brain sound of the classic, very classic big band music is coming from that era uh, instead of more, you know, modern jazz music. And um, I think that's the reason why, you know, I kind of um, want to have that kind of tendency to write a swingy piece for big bands, not for M unit. Um, but uh, also I don't have a brass section in my chamber orchestra because I only have one trumpet and one French horn and then no trombone in a chamber orchestra. So I've, I have been enjoying writing for brass section because that's, that's a very different perspective for you as a composer. Um, you get such a uh, impact. And uh, uh, also they are really uh, brilliant at the rhythm and uh, also the color of the ensemble is really bright as well, which is new to me. So, um, that's something that I certainly enjoy writing for, especially for this big band. Yeah, it makes me think a little bit like as if the big band was a horse and you have to like mm -hmm. take the reins and learn how to tame it and make it gallop and everything. And I think it's just been so beautiful to hear what you do with a traditional big band because you've just put your own stamp on it. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, to be honest with you, like, you know, in secret way, I have been studying a lot of compositions by Thad, Bob, and the gym uh, since I took up the position because um, we have so many music in the library and then we have been playing some of them as, a, you know, part of Golden Archive concerts at, you know, at, of Danish Rhythmikin. And um, a lot of the compositions have been a huge inspiration for me and uh, I also got to know newer compositions by them and then like you know I read scores and try to get what to write for Big Band because this is not the original sound in my brain like Big Band sound is not my original original like sound I always have to convert from a symphonic sound to big band because symphonic sound is my background basically that's my sound in brain all the time so it's always you know very important for me to study scores and then those compositions from these three composers mainly for danish rhythm band because that's the style and that's the legacy that the, the big band has and those compositions are definitely, you know, inspired, partially inspired by a lot of these three composers' compositions. So um, 
for that composition, Mingle Mangle Goodie Bag is probably a lot of like you know harmonic sense from Fat Jones, and then also uh, Bob Brokemeyer. Hi there, a quick note about how you can support the jazz session. This podcast is supported by listeners who enjoy these interviews so much that they decide to become Patreon members over at the Jazz Sessions Patreon page. It's really simple. There are two tiers of membership. For $5 a month, you'll get an extra weekly episode called Track of the Week, where an artist talks about a track of their new album and then you hear the song in its entirety. $10 a month will get you track of the week and also a monthly bonus episode, a spin-off series called The Insider, where I interview jazz industry people, broadcasters, journalists, publicists, label heads, etc, etc, about the nuts and bolts of the jazz business. I think that these conversations are both interesting to musicians, certainly, and other people who are contemplating a career in arts administration, for sure, but also to people who are not musicians, because I often think there's nothing more fascinating than a career about which I know nothing. So there you go. You can head to thejazzsession.com slash join, thejazzsession.com slash join to find out how you can become a Patreon member today. Now back to the show. I think it's so interesting, Mio. I hope that if anyone listens to this who's an aspiring large ensemble composer or arranger, you really lay it out beautifully, both in terms of what you did right after school and then how, you know, you just do the work and then these opportunities come your way. But of course, you're so diligent that the work continues because you get this opportunity but then as you say you're still studying scores because you're always engaged because there's always 
more to discover and then to apply. I wanted to ask you about your scenery story, which is so beautiful, a ballad on the album. It's the second track. And I listened to it and there were a lot of doubles, which for listeners means that you have your woodwind section, your saxophones, they're also going to play flute. I think there was piccolo, maybe clarinet. Trumpeters may use mutes, or in this case, there was a flugelhorn solo. So beautiful. Tell us a little bit about your composing and arranging process, if you can. Yeah, sure. Um, well, this saxophone section in the Danish Radio Big Band is very special to me as well because of this doubling instrument. Um, the, the lead alto saxophone player is a phenomenal clarinet player. And then second alto player is a fabulous flute player. And then they sound like their own um, classical musicians with as just a clarinet player as it is, or like a flute player. And um, the other people, well, like uh, two tenor saxophone players that can play clarinet, flute, and a soprano saxophone. And then they're so uh, solistic as well. And our baritone saxophone player can play flute, uh, bass clarinet, and uh, I think alto flute, bass flute as well. So we have so many, you know, palette co colors in the, on the, in the palette. And um, uh, the thing about doubling is that, okay, you can play that. Okay, that's fine. But then that's usually a part of the options. Uh, you can play that, but that's not your main instrument. So it doesn't really sound as good as uh, uh, saxophones. That happens a lot to people. But still, that's that's amazing that you know you can play more than one instrument because my instrument is just piano and then I can't even play any other you know instruments so I'm jealous and then I'm so impressed about that um but the thing about them is that they are always phenomenal with the all instruments and uh, to the level that that inspires me to write for the doubling instruments so the combination of them playing, you know, not only saxophones, but also for um, clarinets and the flutes, that is absolutely another color that I can think of in on my palette. And then if you have the, you know, those doubling players, like a really well talented um, doubling players in your big band, and then your orchestration. Uh, diversity is much, much wider than ever because your, you know, music range, first of all, is much wider. And flute and then clarinet can play much higher range. And um, they have such a nice, you know, combination with other instruments as well, like flute and then trumpets, it'll get a really nice combination, these kind of things. So, um, and then I specifically chose the flute player, the second alto player, to be the first soloist on the album because I feel that guy is a very, very iconic sound and a playing on flute. And uh, that's what I really, really like about, you know, they're like a character as a musician, um, that they're very special. They're talented, but very special and unique as well. So um, yeah, um, 
it's 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 a huge advantage for me to have the, so many colors on the palette, and uh, um, you can enjoy you know making a new color with that with two of them or even three or more. And uh, the more you know you have that perspectives, the more you can come up with new ideas, and it's, it's so much fun. You speak so beautifully about it, Miho. I think you're yeah. I think you communicate it so well. Not that you, I mean, I don't know if you do any teaching, but you must be a phenomenal teacher. <laughs> I don't really teach, but. <laughs> no, well, I, well, that's good. That's fine. Because then this interview will be this like, if you want to learn right. in some way from Miho Hazami, you have to listen to her interview on the jazz session. You know, yeah, we just launched a new website with jazz composers, the thing. I and then that's that also Dan. coming from. Yeah, exactly. That's also coming from our classmate from the uh, MSM, Manhattan School Music. And um, yeah, there are a lot of Manhattan School Music uh, people in that founder member. And then one Toronto-based composer, I think she's in Toronto-based, uh, uh, Chelsea McBride. We are all founder um, team members. And uh, we talked about how we come up with those you know, ideas and then like, you know, how to compose, blah, blah, blah. So these are like a new kind of teaching format for me. This is very new. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's definitely something, you know, very new. And then <laughs> I, I have to struggle with that, but I, I enjoy it. But <laughs> well, I think you must be brilliant. Yeah, so it's it's Daniel Jameson, who is Canadian actually. And right. what's what's it called, the collective, Miho? jazzcomposerspresent.com right and then you can get all this access to all these amazing jazz composers like dan yeah. like you uh, i know Nim florian herfner right scott Nim yeah. yeah all these wonderful people most of whom went to <laughs> manhattan school of music exactly yeah so you can subscribe to to do that and then also we uh we have so many guests i mean composers as well we just had a, a composer workshop uh composition workshop with jim mcneely and then he did a massive presentation that was so inspiring that was great oh my gosh the, the jim's the best so for any aspiring composers out there listen to this interview with miho there's lots you could learn and if you are looking for even more then please go and and check out that um forum i'll yeah. put the the link in the show notes jazz composers present to shift for you in your brain when you I know you were recently in the Netherlands working with the Metropole Orchestra I think Jose James was the guest so you are still doing that because I also wanted to ask you you don't live in Denmark how does it work how does your schedule what is what is a month in the life of Miho look like 
Sure. Um, well, their season, the Danish Radio Big Band's season, is basically from only October to March. So it's quite short. And um, I, my contract is to have a concert with uh, the project, at least of four concerts, four projects in a year. So that means that four concerts, or I mean, four projects, I'm sorry, four projects from, I mean, between October to March. So it's not that much. If you were to have a one concert, you're just gonna go there um, uh, three days of rehearsal and then one or two concerts, that's it. So basically um, my maximum, well, sorry, my minimum date to be there in Denmark is 28 days a year in total. Um, so I don't have to live there. And besides the season that I work, which is uh, October to March, it's a dark time in Denmark, unfortunately. Um, and uh, I got to go to Denmark finally for the first time in the summer the other day, like a couple of weeks ago, and it was beautiful. But, you know, it's usually kind of raining, dark and, um, um, you know, uh, really dark until late in the morning, that kind of thing. So I don't really enjoy <laughs> living there. So uh, it's, it's nice to stay um, whenever I work. And uh, I need to also leave New York City apartment once in a while, too, because that's too crazy to live in New York City for that long time. So it's a great excuse to, to be touring and uh, to get the other people to get the uh, the uh, um, another vibes of the, uh, the town. Uh, so it's a great combination. I like it. And when you go and work with the Metropole Orchestra or WDR Big Band, what has to change in how you think and how you approach, uh, how you arrange, how you conduct? What changes? Right. Um, well, that's a very important aspect as a conductor that you have to, to read between the lines in a way to make uh, musicians comfortable to play the music. Otherwise the music itself would sound very stressful. So that also, you know, changes my, my how to say like vibes or my attitude towards those orchestras. Sometimes I have to go easier to, to one band and then I can go a little bit more harsh to the other band or something like that. Uh, but uh, luckily, I'm just really lucky to be surrounded by amazing musicians um, when, wherever I work. So um, I don't have to change that much with the uh, Metropole Orchestra or Danish Rhythm Band. But I always appreciate how open the Danish Rhythm Band people are so that I can challenge them. And uh, sometimes people don't enjoy those challenges, but they do. And um, uh, I think this is so special, but you know, when I worked with them to write my original music, I guess for them for the first time, you know, we had quite a rough time to rehearse because it was quite challenging, challenging music. There are a lot of challenging music. And we ended up having a concert well, so that was fine. But I think, you know, we had to use the all of soundcheck time, which you, we, we usually don't use that much 
and to rehearse until the concert. So that was kind of intense. And after that concert, I got the, the uh, messages from a couple people saying that, well, thank you for the week, first of all. And then they're like, we actually enjoy you kicking ass of, you know, the band. Well, like we need it. And like, we enjoy it. It's like, wow, I don't really receive this message from musicians after that kind of intense week. So uh, I really appreciate that they're so, they're, they're, they're just amazing. It tells you so much about your working relationship that that is the feedback you get after this really intense week. And not to insert myself into this at all, but I will never forget singing one of your pieces when we were still at school and we were students and Natalie Cressman and I were doing the vocal parts for one of your M unit bands. So you had voice doubling. And I just remember the two of us sitting there and our fingers were going on our on our leg because the time signature was irregular and it was so difficult. And we were trying to blend with the wind instruments. And I just remember us being so challenged, <laughs> but we loved it, you know? And I think that that's right. testament to the fact that your writing is complicated, but when it all comes together, yeah. and if you are lucky enough to be one of the players who's playing it when it comes together. It's like puzzle pieces fitting together. And you it makes sense. And you know where you fit in compared to another instrument and it's testament to your writing. It's like there's a method to your Miho madness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Well, like, you know, I really appreciate you enjoying, like you said that I, you, you enjoy my piece as well, but it's a puzzle. My composition is definitely a puzzle. So you have to know your role in the ensemble, like which role you're playing, first of all, and the, which kind of chord, chord, you know, function you're playing as well. Uh, you need to know for the every moment you're playing. And then that's really a challenge because um, even for a big band, I don't really, really, really write big band music in section by section. So usually like in a lot of big band music still work as a saxophone section, uh, trumpet section and a trumpet section. But then my music is more of, uh, let's say first alto and the second trumpet playing something together. And then third trombone and the second tenor playing something together. That's really uh, complicated in terms of the orchestration as well. So um, you need to know the composition well, and then you need to actually see the music objectively so that you understand what part of the ensemble you're playing. Yeah, but you know what is so great about it is you're always supposed to be listening. And I think a lot of um, jazz musicians, especially in perhaps traditional big band setting, they don't listen. They go on to kind of autopilot. But the moment you ride across the lines, which is what you do, you really have to listen. And so it does challenge you in a way that feeds back into one of the fundamentals of playing with other people, which is, are you listening? And I think often we think we are listening, but actually we're not listening enough or in the right way, as you say, having a bigger picture and knowing where you fit in within the entire piece, not just within your section, because that won't actually help you. Right, well, like, you know, I still have a huge respect to those, you know, classical, um, like, big band writing music as well, because, like, that's the origin, that's a part of the history as well. And, I mean, those music sound really well and really thick 
as you know dance hall music and so swingy I, I love all of the music as well but then like now we're living in 2020 which is like 100 years after that era and we don't use that music as a dance music anymore so um as a part of the history you know um gil evans probably basically just you know lifted this dance hall music large ensemble to be a uh, part of the art so it can be a little bit more complicated and more artistic in a way. You don't have to think about how loud it can be in the dance hall anymore. You can be sensitive as possible if you want. So that's a new, you know, um, like way to think about this large ensemble. But yet the uh, the ensemble can't be that thick and loud, flashy. And then now you have a new, you know, colors as a doubling, doubling, and then you have more sensitive instruments as well, and a new combination of the colors. Now, how you combine these elements into a composition, that's kind of my theme all the time as a big band composer, because that's not my, you know, sound as I, you know, said before. So I had to think that a lot when I write for a big band to see how uh how much i want to you know go with this way or the other way or like a more classical sound or not a classical sound those kind of things yeah is that fun for you making those decisions does it feel like somebody's given you a palette of different colors you've got you know not just red blue green but you've got teal and azure whatever I think that's the most fun part as a jazz composer. And then also the most, I mean, another fun part as a jazz composer is that you can use that improvisation section in your composition. And if you write a music that's written part and you have a specific, you know, uh, view of your composition, but then if you let another person to take over that improvisation section, then you can't really predict anything. And sometimes, you know, you, you produce, you, you can be a producer of that section, but then you can't create everything for them. So that's the time that you have to choose the right person to develop your composition. And then you get the button from that improviser to, to be back written part as well. So you also have to think about how much you write this part and how much you want the other people to, like elevate your your composition and um that's you know as a person who's who's from classical music background that doesn't really happen to any of other uh music genre but very much in the jazz composition scene so um i think that's the most fun part as you know being a jazz composer
thank you note to the folks who make the jazz session possible, namely the members who support it at Patreon and also the Respect Sextet at respectsextet.com for the theme music. You can follow the jazz session on Twitter at jazzsesh and on Instagram and Facebook at the jazz session. There is also a YouTube page where you can see video excerpts of interviews with this season's guests. It's really cool, even if I do say so myself. You can rate and review The Jazz Session on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and that would be awesome. It would make the show more visible to other potential listeners and future patrons. Now, back to the episode. How does it work? Will you get to tour this music, or will you play it just in Copenhagen or in Denmark. We are having a CD release concert in Copenhagen in November. And then we were supposed to actually come to Japan this year uh, to have a concert tours, but um, it got postponed because of the COVID-19. And uh, I think we are going to go on a Japan tour next year. So that's very exciting. Um, I hope that, uh, you know, we can play somewhere in the U.S. in the future as well. We don't know yet, um, but, and then also, you know, we were working on a tour in uh, Europe countries as well. We'll see. Well, I hope you bring it to Canada. Don't just bring it to the U.S. I Come know, further north. Yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. You know, it would be so lovely to hear it in Toronto. Miho, and I wanted to know, what are you listening to? What are you checking out musically? Um, I really like to go to jazz shows in person. So that's the uh, the main reason why I still, you know, stay in New York City because I mean during the covid time nothing happened, but now everything is coming back and you can go to small jazz venues and see jazz musicians play in front of yourself, which is very very inspiring. So that's what I listen to um to the uh, instrumental music. I prefer going to the shows in person. What I listen to on the record or like albums is that always with a singer because I don't sing. So uh, my voice is not good. So, and then I don't really sing. So somehow if there is a, a singer, then the music comes to my ear as uh, enjoyable, like listening music. If I were to listen to instrumental music, then my brain started analyzing it. <laughs> and that's a problem. Um, I don't really listen to it. I think I analyze it. I start analyzing and it's, it's kind of annoying as a composer. So uh, that's why I just, you know, go to a show to see it and to get inspired because that's much better for me. So um, I've been listening to a lot of like jazz music with singers or like a newer jazz music with singers as well. Like who? Can you give any names? Yeah, Becca Stevens. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if I can say this as a singer, but Tigran Hamasian, because he also sings oh, totally. something with the, uh, you know, yeah, he's piano playing. And um, or... Um, so this is uh, Antonio Lolreiro, who is also from Brazil. He plays a percussion piano and everything, but he also sings as well. Rafael uh, uh, Martini, also Brazilian singer and pianist, amazing, phenomenal, you know, young composer as well. Yeah, they all, always have like a really nice modern 
like, you know, jazz oriented music, but also they sing really well. That's so interesting that you look for the voice because that's something your day-to-day music doesn't have as much. Um, although you do write for voice as a textural instrument, because I know Kavita Shah sang right. on the M Unit albums. So it's lovely. Mm-hmm. And then you sang on it. <laughs> no, Natalie and I tried to sing way back when. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I used to have that voice yeah. still. You know, I do have that. But I, I think that's as a vocalist. Yes. It's not a you know, as a singer, but more like as a part of the ensemble. Exactly. It's an instrument. Yeah. So, yeah, like the lyrics is something else for me. It's completely another world. That's so lovely. Well, it's just nice to hear what people are are listening to and hopefully the world will open up so you can get back to being inspired by live music. Mm -hmm. Because I agree with you. There's nothing, there's nothing quite like it. Right, and it's so special. Yeah. Well, Miho, we hope that you will tour this album everywhere. And we so look forward to seeing what you do next and who you conduct next. And it's just been such a thrill to see your career grow and develop and blossom in this way. Miho, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. this week's guest Miho Hazama. Miho's new album Imaginary Visions comes out on Edition Records on Friday the 24th of September 2021. If you enjoyed this conversation with Miho then do keep an ear out for upcoming episodes which feature conversations with the big band composers Maria Schneider and John Hollenbeck. I think they'll be right up your alley. Feel free to rate and review this podcast, tell a friend or family member about just how cool it is, and you can visit thejazzsession.com slash join for information about becoming a Patreon member. We'd love to have you there. Take care, and I will see you next week for another conversation about jazz on The Jazz Session.